0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the first edition of the View from the Opposition for the 2023-24 campaign. Newcastle, welcome Aston Villa to St Jim's Park on Saturday evening. Now I'm joined by Dan Wallinson from Birmingham Live on the Claret and Blue podcast. Got me words out there eventually. Uh, how are we doing, Dan? Thanks for popping up the podcast.
1: Yeah, all good, mate. Thank you very much for, for having me on. It's a, an exciting game, isn't it, this one? So happy to uh, to be here talking about it.
0: It is a very exciting game. I think it's going to be a brilliant game for the neutral. Uh, my first question to you, Dan, is: What are you expecting from Villa on Saturday? What What should our listeners expect from from Villa?
1: I think there'll be a fast start. I think I think Emery will want to go there and kind of set the tempo, I guess, and uh, and put Villa put Newcastle to the sword. Sorry, I've gone with. I know you're probably going to ask me predictions later in the show, but I think Villa will sneak a win on Saturday. I've just got this funny feeling that. But people say when you kind of have the season, uh, fixtures come out like who's a a bad first game and people go, you know, Man City, United, whatever. I think Newcastle away is probably one of the toughest games that Villa could could have asked for on the first day. I just wonder that when you play a good side, which Newcastle are, they maybe take a couple of games to get up to speed. So maybe you can hit them early in the first week or two of the season. And that that might be a bit of a stupid prediction, but I feel like Man City maybe have been hit with the odd, weird result every so often towards the start of a season. If I'm expecting Newcastle to be up around the top six next year and be a good side that kind of have to kick into gear and kind of work through the motions, maybe the first game of the season, that half five kickoff is one where they'll be slightly rusty. Now, you could obviously say the same things for Villa as well if we're expecting them to be a good side. But I think Emery will have set the standards over pre-season to go there and say, look, if we go and beat Newcastle on Saturday or even come away with a point, which would be very good, um you have that belief and that confidence to say, well, if we can do that at Newcastle away, we can do that anywhere. Yeah.
0: I think Eddie Howe has also set the standards over the summer. And what we've, we've come to know of Eddie Howe is that his standards are sky high. Newcastle unbeaten uh, in pre-season as well, which is fantastic. And two good tests last weekend against Villa, Real and fontina And they're going into this full of confidence, I think, and, I think it's all about setting the tone. They did it last season against Nottingham Forest at St. James's Park where there was a lot of expectation and they won that game. I just think it's going to be a fantastic game. I think it's going to be really close. and I, I think this is a big, big test for Newcastle. I mean, you're talking about from a Villa point of view what game you didn't really want to start the the, the, the season in theory about going up to, to the North East and facing Newcastle. Equally, I don't think if Eddie Howe could have had his pick, he would have picked Aston Villa because, mm. as you said, Unai Emery has really worked hard. This summer. He did a fantastic job in the season. You guys have done really well in the transfer market. And for, from a neutrals' point of view, I think this game could be the, the game of the day, really, the game of the opening yeah. weekend. I think it, it's set up really nicely. In terms of Unai how will he set up Aston Villa? What will the approach be in terms of tactics and formation?
1: So we're seeing a bit of a change with Villa over this pre-season. Of, of, obviously, we, we knew last year that Villa would want to play out from the back and build through Martinez and through the centre-halves and, and kind of have these repeatable actions of of getting into the box in the same way. And if you watch Villa a lot, you will see them kind of create the same moves over and over and with success a lot of the time as well. The signing of Pal Torres changes things a little bit. And I said in our season preview in the week, I'm, I'm, out of the three signings, Diaby, Telemans and Torres, Torres is the one that creates the most question marks which sounds bizarre because we all know he's a very good player and I think come the end of the season we'll go well. Wow, like he was vastly important for Villa but just at the moment because Alex Moreno obviously played left back last season he's out for the start of the season so Pau Torres is playing kind of a left back at the moment because he's left footed and so is Tara Mings we're all saying well they surely can't play together because for some reason two left footers can't play together even though two right footers no one, no one bats an eyelid at that. So Torres is playing off as a left-back to a certain extent out of possession with Mings in the centre, concert as the other centre-half and then Cash really pushing up on the right-hand side. So when the Villa when Villa do have possession and are building up from the back, Torres drops in to be a, a back three. Torres, Mings and concert as a three. Cash is well up far on the right-hand side almost as a, as a right-winger. So you've then got the three at the back, two midfield, three forwards and then the two strikers as well. So when Villa do have the ball, they can make these little triangles and, and spring from kind of nothing happening to being thrown on goal in, in a matter of seconds. And because they're so, like I said, these actions are repeatable, you get into those positions where Watkins is, is is through behind or whatever and you think, he'll score here. Whereas 12 months ago, because those opportunities were so rare, I think we were kind of criticising Watkins and some of the forward options as not scoring enough goals but it's because they weren't in the positions often enough to kind of get up to speed almost. So... Villa will play this kind of 4-4-2 almost out of possession with McGinn off the right, Wendy or Bailey off the left. It would have been Jacob Ramsey, but he's injured for the start as well. But it's not like 4-4-2 in the traditional sense of four midfielders, two wide men, and you just lump it forward to the, the short man and the big man up top. When Villa do have the ball, it's a 3-4-3, three, three, I guess, or a 3-3-4 three, three, or something like that. I don't know. It's interesting. Whenever I watch Villa, it's just... I feel like I learned something new watching them and I feel like it's fascinating to watch us go through the motions. I don't think kind of a, a set formation is a thing anymore for Villa. Go back to Dean Smith it was, it was a 4-3-3, Grealish off the left, three in midfield, um, Stephen Gerald the same with the the fullbacks bombing on. You kind of go, Well, that's the system, and if that doesn't work, there's no real plan B. For Villa, it's like, well, we'll play out from the back. That that'll be consistent. But besides that, who knows what could happen, and that's kind of exciting. And it's obviously difficult to defend against as well if you're if you're the opponent.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I think when I look at, at Villa, one of the things that still haunts me is that game against Newcastle at Villa Park, where Villa were deserved winners, and it was mm. it, it was one off Newcastle uh, in many ways because they went on and they picked up form again. Of course, finished in the top four, but we we, we saw, I think, against. Villa in the States, some of the same kind of traits. I know Newcastle played a, a different formation, the three at the back, and we, we most certainly will not see that on Saturday um, again, but what stood out was kind of the space that Villa managed to exploit against Newcastle in, in both those games, really. And I think the midfield battle is going to be key, but also Ollie Watkins, he, he seems to, or at least in that game against Newcastle Villa Park, he seemed to drift out wide, he got the better of, of Kevin Trippy on a couple of uh, occasions and obviously he'll really up winning. Uh, where do you see the key battles being?
1: I think down the Newcastle's left side, probably. I'm, I, again, I don't want to be coming on a Newcastle podcast going, no, I'm not, not convinced by Newcastle because that's not fair because they're, they're a good side and I think they'll be up and around that top six conversation all season. And it'll go two ways. They'll either finish in the Europa League or they will have another great season and get into the Champions League again. I'm not massively convinced by defence at the moment. I think if I was a Newcastle fan, I'd be after another signing or two to kind of at least bolster the options. Um We spoke a little bit in the reverse podcast that we did about Villa that John McGinn playing off the right-hand side, kind of, and then drip, and dropping into a, a 10 position when Villa has possession. He can cause problems down that right flank, I think, along with Moussa Diabe, who will play off Ollie Watkins as the second striker. Having that raw pace is terrifying for a defender, and it's... I said in a, a previous Villa show that we did that it's not even about just going, well, Musa Diabri is quick. We need to be careful of that. It's just the threat of having a player with that pace. Of like, OK, well, we need to be wary here because one long ball over the top and he's in, he if he's in behind, that's it. It's game over. And this isn't a 2008 Gabby Abonlehor situation where he's a pace merchant and that's all he's good at. No disrespect to Gabby if he ends up watching this. Uh, but Moussa Diabe is a finisher as well. His finishing is absolutely lethal and that combination of pacing behind and if he does get there, he will know how to finish as well. So I think McGinn and Diabe linking up off that right-hand side and targeting either Dan at left-back or Matty target. If we're talking about Newcastle being a Champions League side, I'd expect... A, expect a, Again, maybe I'm being disrespectful yet. I'd expect a, a better quality of player than those two names I'll just mentioned to be my starting left-back choices for the season. Is that fair from your side of things, or am I underestimating how good they've been for you?
0: Yeah, I think I've, you're underestimating how good Dan Byrne has been. Dan Byrne was fantastic, okay. he was a surprise package last season. And yeah, we, on paper, he looks the, the weak point. But actually, towards the end of last season, I felt players and, and teams were talking on the other side, they were talking mm-hmm. and Trippier as the weak point because Dan Byrne. Every time you think he's going to get beaten for pace, those big, long legs just seem to to go into to over overdrive uh, and, and stop. I mean, like Saka and co. couldn't get the better of him. He's, he's done really well. I think he will start against Villa. Yes, many people's priorities would be a left back. I still think it is. and Tini's been linked, but mm. Newcastle needed to fill other positions. The centre made uh, they've, they've signed Tino Livremenso. They've obviously gone out and got Harvey Barnes to replace Alan St. Maximum, which is a fantastic signing because he just adds goals to, to Newcastle. Yeah, I, I don't think many people would disagree. A left back would be an ideal addition, but it's just how much money Newcastle got left to spend. And obviously, the window is you know, closing very, very soon. I no, think.
1: Sorry to interrupt. I know that this might not be come into effect from this game, but does Livermento start, do you think? I think he spent a decent amount of money on him. Does he start right back and Trippier left back? Does that solve there's the been, problem?
0: There's been talk about that, but I just don't see it. I just, I, it, I can't see that. He's left
1: back for England, hasn't he, Trippier?
0: He has, he has. But I think what you get from Kieran Trippier when, he, when he's behind Miguel Almiron mm. will be worth more. I don't think Harvey Barnes needs that kind of tuition. I think Harvey right. Bonds does what Harvey Bonds does. He's he's, he's he's With all due respect to Miguel Mion, he's a, he's a cleverer footballer. He knows what he needs to be doing. Whereas I think Kieran Trippier behind Almiron, he's a guiding hand. And then also you've got Bruno kind of edging over that way as well. And I think that right side works really well. You mm-hmm. remove Trippier from that, you shift him over to the left and you put a young lad in like Livermore who's going to be a big star. I don't think... You'll see, Almiron on, you know, find the form he did at the start of of last season. I was going to say actually, you, you talk about the pace of Diaby and Watkins. I mean, Sven Botman's got a bit of pace about him, so it's going to be really interesting to see who lines up against. The other big question is, Fabian Share going to be fit? Now, he's still got a, a few errors in him. Sometimes he does really worry me, especially when he's up against a, a, a pacey striker. So it's going to be interesting to see if he is past fit. And if not, who starts? Will it be uh, Jamal LaSalle or a, a young lad called, called Alex Murphy? A big decision for Eddie Howe. Uh, he did say Share was nearing uh, at least a return to training. So that's one to watch. But also, you you were talking about kind of the options that mm. Villa have, you know, you talking about Diarby and you were talking about Watkins. How if they get in front of goal, you know, it's good night. They will, they will finish. I think our listeners and viewers will be, will be hearing this and saying, well, you could say the same about Newcastle. And I think it yeah. paints a really good picture about where both sides are. That if I ask you for a key man, you could give me five or six. If I mm. ask you for a strength, you would probably again give me several uh, strengths of, of Villa, and it's just really nice to to be able to sit here and and, and say. These two teams, um, they're going to be around the top six for a long time to come with two great managers, really clever in the window, really good players, really good squad, entertaining to watch as well. I'm all for it. I'm all for upsetting the the established order in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, me too, because I'm sick of the traditional top six and the bias that comes from the media. That I think there was something the other day. I think it was possibly Sky and it was like the big sevens transfer window and not Chelsea and Spurs, were in it? Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool. Villa and Brighton finished in the top seven last year, and they were nowhere near the discussion because the traditional top seven is Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool, City, United. One more, possibly, I can't remember. Um, I think I was seven then. I might have just miscounted on my fingers. Um, but I'm, I'm bored of that, and I think a lot of fans of, of of the Premier League are as well. That unless you're one of those those clubs' fans, of course, if you're not part of that. You want more representation in the the mainstream media and you want your side to be respected. I don't want to have a great season and have... I know this isn't the be-all and end-all. I don't want my match-of-the-day analysis to be one minute and it just be that the opposition played poorly. I want to start getting credit for Villa being a very good side, as I'm sure you will with Newcastle as well. And as long as us us two sides, Brighton, Brentford, sides like that can come in and upset the establishment of the the traditional top six, top seven, top eight, whatever it ends up becoming to, to suit the narrative... I'm all for that because I'm just fed up of, of the bias towards those big sides. Yeah, and what I think Jets that's 12th last season. I know. Don't even get a start. Well, I, I think it's that was it, 40 odd points. Like, why are they anywhere even near this conversation? Yes, they could be much better with Pochettino, but to just say well they're a big six side, they weren't even in the top half last year. Like, yeah. give it a rest.
0: It's ridiculous, isn't it? And I think the fact that both sides, Villa and Newcastle, are looking to upset that 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 so called top six. It's killed off the rivalry that was there, you know, the sub on the time banner. And I mean, yeah, that yeah. rivalry, I'll be honest, it's it, it didn't leave me for a very long time, but it's died off in the last, last season or so. Because I think, you know, both fans would like to see either side actually, yeah, be ahead of the likes of Liverpool and Chelsea and, and, and the mm. rest of them. And it's, it is quite interesting to see that that rivalry has died off.
1: Yeah, we had Aaron on the podcast last year. I think it was before the 3-0, actually. Uh, I think it was the preview show for the, the 3-0 at Villa Park. And we were talking about how how good a job both sides had done. And we spoke a little about the rivalry between the two sides. And it felt like a faux rivalry. F- f- it felt like a faux rival. To- oh, Christ. Uh. It felt like a faux rivalry to me anyway, that it was just that there was two good sides in the Championship at the time. There's the whole Steve Bruce thing after the fact that he was our manager, then he was yours. And the bits between the two fans over the years when we relegated you on the final day, that that could have been anybody in that situation. It wasn't an anti-Newcastle thing. It was just a, we're going to poke fun at the opposition that could go down today. And even that was what, 15 years ago or something off the top of my head. Like, it's time to let go, guys, isn't it, at some stage. So I was never really particularly bothered about Newcastle. I don't I don't care enough to go, oh, yeah, I don't like Newcastle because of this thing that was supposed to be a rivalry. So for to now to have this almost mutual appreciation that, yeah, they're one of the guys that's going to help us rock this top six, um, I quite like that now.
0: Yeah, I, have to, I, have to, um, I was totally uh, the opposite to you. It it, it it stuck with me for a long time. Yeah, I think Newcastle far-
1: fans were more annoyed about it than Villa fans ever were annoyed about any retaliation from Newcastle.
0: Yeah, well, my father-in-law is a Villa fan and uh, okay. I had to explain to him why I wasn't too happy with Villa and he, like, you couldn't quite understand it. But, yeah, but I'm over it now. I'm past it. Good, I'm past it. good. Um, in terms of the way Newcastle play, they're likely to play a really high press they will mm. they will try and catch Villa out. You said that you know Villa will try and play out from the back. That might play into Newcastle's hands because the way Eddie Howe sets up his team, you know, the best form of defence is from from attack. You know, if it's Callum mm. Wilson, Isaac, whoever it might be, Miguel Almirón, they're really good at getting in the faces of the defence and and the goalkeeper. How will Villa handle that?
1: Well. I'm hoping, <laughs> but that would be maybe blind faith at this stage. Um, I like what Emery's done with the side and playing out from the back, and we were very good at it last season. But obviously, Pau Torres has come in new over the summer and will start on 99% certain of that. So that just disrupts that back line of what it was good, good at last season. If it was exactly the same side, I know this sounds mad, if it's exactly the same side that finished last season, I'd be more confident because I know they can already do it together. But Torres comes in, Ramsey won't be playing because he's injured. Obviously, Moreno won't be playing because he's injured and Torres replaces him. So there's two players down that left-hand side that won't be there now. So that's a big big change and a big kind of structural impact. As much as I was saying at the beginning that maybe Villa can go to St James's and catch Newcastle cold, that's the one thing I'm wary of from Villa that maybe we're cold as well, that, that playing out from the back won't have the same kind of rhythm that it did last season just because the personnel is different. Now, Pau is a very good footballer, very good at playing out from the back, so he should be able to just come in, he knows Emery, and just be able to do it from the off. But the thought of going to Newcastle in front of 50,000 and it's his first kind of game in the Premier League, if he misplaces a couple of early passes and Newcastle break behind and, and score, you kind of go, oh dear, like, what, what's happening here? Um, but yeah, I think that's the one thing where Villa are probably susceptible to the high line that we play. If, like we said about um, Villa playing down the right-hand side with a long ball over the top of whoever and pace from DRB and linking up with McGinn, the, the, the very same thing could happen to Villa with Villa's high line gets caught out as it did in the, the pre-season games as well. I don't know if it was specifically in the Newcastle game, but we'd certainly got caught out once or twice in, in the others. That would be the thing for me. I think as much as I'm saying Villa will go there and maybe get something, I think there'll be goals. I think both sides, because they're not yet up to speed with, with new signing things, I think both sides will concede. Um, So I, I will go for a Villa win. But I think it could be a 2-1, a 3-2 kind of situation.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go for 2-2. Two, two. I think it'll be a draw. I think it'll be really close. I'd really take that, in, by the way. I'd absolutely take a draw. Yeah. I think, I think so with Newcastle uh, fans. I think, anyhow, obviously would be loving to, to start the, the season with three points given that Newcastle have got quite a, a tough start to things. And, of course, you want to set the tone in front of your own fans. Is there, uh, just a couple more questions... Who is the? I mean, we've mentioned so many players Dan <laughs> from that point of view, but is there one a player in particular you think Eddie Howe will have printed off? He'll stuck to his office wall and he'd gone right, guys. This is the guy we have to keep quiet. <laughs> uh,
1: that's great because I love the fact that we could. It, this could easily be an answer where there's five or six players for it. Just you the full squad. Just the yeah, full exactly. Squad yeah, of like you know they do like a team photo and they like sat on the bench. <laughs> you just put that up because that's what you should be scared of. Um, if you go back like two or three seasons, it's a picture of Jack Grealish, isn't it? And, and not much else. We had good players around him, but he was the man. Right, like um, Alan
0: Maximum, isn't it? You know, that was yeah. that's the case in point, yeah.
1: Kind of not having much of a system, but he's the guy who's who's, who's give it to him like, and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly that. Uh, both sets of fans here will be familiar with how things have gone with with the with each each team's side over the last few years. So it would have been Grealish a hundred percent. Um it's so difficult. So I've gone with Diabe as being my player of the year this season, which is a bold shout for a new signing because as much as I'm kind of like criticising Pau Torres for being a new signing, maybe not being able to, to fit in straight away, I'm going, yeah, DRB will score millions of goals and be player of the year. Um, so I'll pick somebody from last year to have a continuation of a good season and Sad Douglas Louise, who I think is probably our best footballer. So, he might not be the most important in a, in a certain system, although he probably is. I think Kamara is, is very important to the way we play. Obviously Watkins and Diaby up front with the pace they'll have. They'll be the guys scoring the majority of the goals. They'll be very important. Emi Martinez is one of the best goalkeepers in the league, if not the world. And I think he's massively important. Without him, we'd struggle to get into the top half. I, I think he's that important to us. But Douglas, he just keeps things ticking. He's just He's everywhere. He's so good technically that I think I've gone with him as my like, most assist this season. We said in our season preview that some players will get assist just because they play the final ball before a good move or a good run, and they technically get it, but it doesn't really mean anything. Douglas Louise is the one threading a pass or finding that that reverse ball or something, something that's very clever, and that and that's what he is is he's an intelligent, clever footballer and, and technically very, very good. So I think if Villa are to have a good season, as much as there's five or six players that if they weren't there, obviously they would struggle because you could say that for everybody. I think Douglas Luiz is possibly one of the first names on the team sheet. Yeah, battle of
0: Brazilians, isn't it? As well on Saturday yeah. with Bruno and, and Joe In pre-season Linsenco. game,
1: Douglas Luiz was very good out of the two. I think I think John said that uh, there was there's two Brazilians playing, and the Villa one was much superior than than Newcastle's. But yeah, that was
0: I only pre season. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming I can't remember off the top, of man. I think it was probably Bruno that, that, that played back. Bruno's been a little bit off the pace uh, during the pre season. So there has to be hope that he can reach the, the levels that he did uh, mm. last year. Um, just finally, then, are you worried about one particular Newcastle player?
1: That's a great question, actually. I've not really given Newcastle's squad that much thought, um, which probably sounds mad seeing as we're about to play them in two days' time. Um, Isaac. Is probably the one. I think he if if not for obviously when he signed, he probably looked at that and thought he could have gone somewhere better than Newcastle because Newcastle really improved so drastically and they're now a Champions League club. But that obviously makes a lot of sense still. But you would still say that he on his day could be a, a level above even where Newcastle want to be. I don't know if that's too harsh on, on Newcastle, but he looks like maybe not right away, he could be this kind of world class, world class talent. Um so probably him. Is there anyone else that I should be thinking of think Gamarish is a great player some of the defenders you mentioned earlier are decent players as well um Harvey Barnes I do like I would have quite liked him to sign for Villa to be honest I think we're possibly a little bit lighter out on that left- hand side uh, I think Bailey will probably play off the left this weekend and I'm not hugely convinced of him so I think Harvey Barnes would have been would have been an upgrade in that position for us and 35 million was it something like that which is yeah yeah right so, about think, then, yeah I think again, he he could have a good impact, but Isaac is probably the one. I think.
0: It, it, what's really interesting is that Howard Barnes isn't guaranteed to start because Anthony Gordon's had a really good pre-season. Yeah, yeah. I think Miguel Almirón, I've, I've backed him to to find form again. I think he'll have a, a really good season, so he's he's maybe uh, one to watch. And Elliot I would Anderson
1: say Amaron well. probably goes a little bit under the radar still, that just because he had that he didn't have a great start. People who maybe don't watch him all the time and go. Well, he's not really that dangerous. He'll score five or six decent goals a season, but is he really that good? I think he probably well, he didn't is even that
0: good. do that. that. That that was the issue. Like he didn't even do that to begin with. He scored one goal the season before last, and then he's hit. Mm. I think it was eleven last season. But you, you are right. I mean, the issue was is that when Newcastle, when Steve Bruce or Rafa Benitez would score goals, they would usually be on the counter, and mm. all you would see would be that last pass before the striker. Of the net, and he would get Almiron doesn't do anything. But if you rewind the goals back to the where it started, it would be Almiron carrying the ball from Newcastle's own box and mm. setting up the attack for what was to come. And but match of the day never rewinds that far back, or Danny <laughs> Murphy never never sees the full setup. And yeah, he used to get a lot of grief, but look, he's scoring goals now, and I think he it's a big season for him because Newcastle, like the RB, lots of fans wanted a, a, another right. Winger to come in and, and rival Almiron, potentially replace him. Eddie Howe hasn't. Doesn't look like he will do. Almiron's pretty much guaranteed to start, but he, I think he has to. He has to find the form that he did last season, especially in the first half of it, to guarantee his long-term future. Otherwise, he'd be like Alan St. Maximum potentially, potentially out of the door. But yeah, it's exciting. Like like Villa, you know, you, you, you could name. I could give you several players who will be very good this season for Newcastle. Night. And it's just it's just lovely to be in a position to be able to to say that. It's, a, it's really exciting. And like I said at the start, this is a great game for the neutrals. It mm. really is. Just remind us then of your of your prediction for Saturday.
1: Oh, that's a great game for the neutrals. So it's got nil-nil written all over it, <laughs> hasn't it now? Uh, I think there'll be goals. So I'll, I will stick with what I said in my own podcast and say 2-1 Villa. Um, yeah, I'd be... The, the only thing that would scare me a little bit is if we go behind um, just because of how, how good the atmosphere is especially, especially if it was early on as well if Newcastle go ahead early on and it's like I said a high ball over the back or something and we get caught out I'll be thinking okay we, we might be in for a tough afternoon here and I think if we did concede first I don't think we would go on to win because um, that's not a very Villa thing to do even under Emery so I'll stick with a 2-1 win I think there'll be goals I think it will be exciting and, and Villa will just edge it in the end
0: I'm going to go off for- Two two, and I'm also going to throw in. I don't usually do this, but I think Miguel, Almiron and Izak with with the goals. But yeah, two two. I think it'll be entertaining. It'll be close, and it's a it's a decent point I think for both sides to to start yeah, the yeah. season off indeed. So
1: yeah, I mean, I Villa have lost the opening game for the last couple of years, so anything better than that <laughs> is a good start for us.
0: Ends of the run, doesn't it? But yeah, I think it's going to be a it's a, it's set up to be a really good game Dan thank you very much for providing the insight into Aston Villa to you guys watching please give the channel uh, hit that subscribe button and hit the thumbs up as well and if you're listening on our podcast please leave us a rating and review and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news